Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Catherine Morehouse. The 28th United Nations Climate Change Conference, also known as COP28, begins today. Nearly 200 countries will gather for two weeks to figure out how the world can fight climate change. Two things to note. For one, this year's conference is hosted by the United Arab Emirates, a massive global oil producer that's drawn pushback from environmentalists. There's also, of course, a lot of urgency over climate change. Just in the past year, the world faced record high temperatures, a wave of extreme weather disasters, and energy security issues. So today, we preview the conference and the key forces shaping it with Politico's Zach Coleman. It's Thursday, November 30th. So Zach, what will be the big topics that need to be hammered out at COP28? Well, there's a few big ones. One is this idea of how are we going to write out what we do with fossil fuels in this final text. So there's this discussion between phase out or phase down of fossil fuels. Are they abated or unabated? Phase down being the sort of softer language, which says essentially we should use less fossil fuel, but we can also control for the emissions. Phase out being, let's just stop using this stuff. And of course, there's debate over what abated really means. What kind of capture rate do you need? What technologies are appropriate? Should that even be pursued at all? So those are some of the bigger political questions. You also have some decisions on loss and damage, which is the fund for paying for irreversible climate loss and damage. That is a huge political issue here. The U.S. has long resisted any sort of specter that that would amount to liability and compensation for past wrongs, like the emissions that we've put in the air. That is something that the negotiators at Sharm el-Sheikh had said, we're not doing liability and compensation, yet it remains a tricky political touch point. So the negotiators will have to wrap up a lot of that framework this year. And then also we have the global stock take, which is a political statement at the end of this COP that will sort of guide the direction of travel for the next two years when the countries will go about developing their next nationally determined contribution, which is their climate action plans as part of the Paris Climate Agreement that will guide their strategies for emissions cuts through the year 2035. And one thing that we know and we've talked about a little bit on the podcast is that the conference is being hosted by the United Arab Emirates, which has faced criticisms from environmentalists heading into the talks. Can you remind us why the UAE is a controversial host country? Well, the UAE is the seventh largest oil and gas producer, which in and of itself is not the biggest controversy. The big issue here is the president-designate of the talks, that's Sultan Al-Jaber, is also the CEO of the Abu Dhabi National Oil Corporation, which is the state oil company for the UAE. So there are some questions about whether he can impartially oversee the negotiations and a question about whether he is earnest in wanting to move the world off of oil and gas, given that is one of the biggest economic drivers for the UAE, and he sits atop a company that does just that. 
And just recently, the BBC had a report that showed that there are some talking points for Adnoc, the company that Sultan Aljobera leads, that have gotten into the COP28 negotiation process. Those talking points seek to develop conversations with diplomats from other countries about where Adnoc can invest in oil and gas projects in other countries. Sultan Al-Jaber has forcefully denied that those are true. He has rejected that he has used his position to seek investment opportunities for Adnoc. But if it is true, it confirms the worst fears that skeptics of him and the UAE have had about this whole host situation. And another thing that we've talked about a lot is the fact that the Biden administration has a very ambitious climate agenda. So going into COP, what specifically is the United States looking to get from this conference? They're trying to get a pretty unequivocal political statement at the end of the COP that says we need to move away from fossil fuels. Secretary Kerry, who is the lead climate diplomat for the United States, on Wednesday said that the U.S. wants a very strong statement that moves away from unabated fossil fuels. It's a decision the G7 has taken as well, and that's certainly something they're going to push for in the back rooms. They're going to look for a friendly version of events on loss and damage for the U.S. that would include some sort of provision that those countries who are able to pay into that fund will do so, which would get away from this idea that developing nations are absolved from paying into this fund. That would potentially allow China to pay into the fund and put some pressure on them, given they have the world's second largest economy. And they're going to want a strong statement in the global stock take. They're going to want some sort of target setting based on keeping temperatures from surpassing 1.5 degrees Celsius compared with pre-industrial levels. They don't want any sort of backsliding in that global stock take decision that would weaken the sort of North Star of countries' ambitions. And I know that Secretary Kerry has focused a lot on methane as well. We're going to probably see some statements on methane cuts and commitments from some national oil companies, maybe even some other countries joining the Global Methane Pledge, which is a commitment to slash methane emissions 30% below 2020 levels this decade globally. 150 countries have signed up for that. China is not one of them, even though they're one of the world's top methane emitters. Russia also is not signed up to that. Again, a huge methane emitter. So we could see some progress in that front as well. And from a broader climate perspective, I'm wondering what will actually make this COP considered a success globally. What are some of your sources looking for to really say, okay, this was a progressive step on fighting climate change? I think an unequivocal call to move away from fossil fuels. I think the climate activist community wants to see a clear statement of phasing out fossil fuels, preferably without the caveat of unabated because there is that question of moral hazard by allowing abated fossil fuels. Are you extending the lifeline of the fossil fuel industry, which would rely on technologies that have not been proven to work at massive scale yet? And I think that there would be a big statement on climate finance commitments. That's something that really is not going to get kicked off in a major way until next COP when countries start to work on a new goal for delivering climate finance. But 
there's no shortage of opportunities here to put money on the table. Funding the loss and damage fund would be one such step. I don't think we expect the U.S. to put any money towards that fund, but you could certainly see other countries do that. Also, the federal government is investigating multiple hacks against U.S. water facilities, including a breach in Pennsylvania. Iranian hackers are suspected to be behind the attacks that targeted facilities using Israeli-made equipment. That's according to two individuals familiar with the investigations, who were granted anonymity by Politico to discuss details that are not yet public. They said that the government is aware of and examining fewer than 10 facilities affected across the country and that none of the hacks caused significant disruption. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power dash switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. And that's our show. I'm Catherine Morehouse, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Today's program support is provided by Chevron. Progress means producing renewable fuels for today's fleets. Chevron intends to grow their renewable fuels production capacity to 100,000 barrels per day by 2030. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash renewable fuels.